Thank you for joining us on the Waymaker Church podcast today. We hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and makes a way for the new and deeper with Jesus Christ in your life. Enjoy. Today, uh, some of our content will be uh, age appropriate. I guess that's the best way to say it. Um, Also, uh, the back part of my message, I'm going to have some gentlemen come up here and join me for a panel discussion on what it is that we're gonna talk about today. But if you have a physical Bible and you wanna turn to Matthew chapter 19, this has been the centerpiece verse or passage that we've been looking at throughout this whole series. Jesus and the authority of Jesus is really what all this comes down to. That Jesus isn't just a great teacher although he was that. He wasn't just a great example of a human being, although he was that. That he isn't just our savior and friend. That he is and died and rose again to be our king, to lead our lives. And he unapologetically says, if you believe in me and you follow me, I will be your king. I will be your master. I will be the leader of your life. And so what does Jesus say in Matthew chapter 19? He is cornered or tried to be cornered. At least they tried to corner him. The religious leaders of his day try to get him to get tripped up on something. They want to know his views of divorce and and marriage. and, And in that, what does Jesus do? He he reaches back into the authority of the Old Testament, what we know as the Old Testament scriptures, goes all the way to the book of Genesis, to the first and second chapters, the creation narrative, and he pulls them into this moment. Verse four of Matthew 19, it says, haven't you read, he replied, at the beginning, the creator made them male and female. So we talked about the the fact that God was very intentional about creating male and female. We talked about that in the very beginning of this series, that the form and the function of humanity would be male and female. The form and the function of the family would be a male and a female, a husband and a wife who would become a mother and father, that they would have unique and specific roles within their maleness and their femaleness. And so Jesus says, hey, I want to remind you of this. Verse five, and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother. We're going to come back to that in just a second. Father and mother. So he said, male and female. And now he said, a man or a future husband will leave his father and mother. What does that mean? It means he has a father and a mother. So even before Adam and Eve, God proclaims this over all creation. Even before Adam and Eve sinned and left the garden in Genesis chapter 3, God says, this will be the form and the function. This will be the order of creation. Male and female, a man will leave his father and mother, these two roles in his life. And what happens? 
and be united to his wife. So we have a man, a husband, and a wife. A man is going to leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. He is going to leave. He's going to get out of there and become, right, united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So Jesus says, haven't you read this? So they are no longer two, but one flesh. And then Jesus adds something to this. When he's talking to these religious leaders, he says, he says, so what God has joined together, what God has created, what God has thought up, what God has invented, let no one separate. In other words, don't mess with this. Don't mess with this. And what, what do we see in Genesis chapter three? Sin messed with this. And if you haven't been in this series, go back. Um, we talk about what is, what is it that sin does to a man and a woman and their relationship with each other and how has it changed the culture even today and what is it that we see throughout history but how has it that Jesus coming, living, dying on a cross, raising from the dead, how has Jesus reversed the curse of male and female collision and male and female competition? How has Jesus reversed that curse where they actually mutually respect one another and mutually defer to the strengths that God has given. Man, that's a whole other message. I don't wanna reteach that, but go back and listen to that. What Jesus says is, hey, what God has put together, like don't let anybody separate that. Don't mess with that. So here's what we need to see. Jesus teaches God's original design for fathers and mothers is to show children to become one, to be united, to become one flesh, to show children how to be fathers and mothers also. They will leave your house. They will leave your house. Go, go. Now, two of my children have gotten married and left my house. But sometimes they come back. Some of you know that my oldest son, Ethan, owns the Wandering Donut, great donuts. It's pumpkin season, by the way. Get you a pumpkin donut. I was awakened. I don't know why. But I was awakened at four o'clock in the morning to my eldest son, who has left my home. He's having our first grandchild. He's in his own house with his own wife and he has a child coming into the world soon. He thought it would be a good idea to come to my house at four o'clock in the morning to look for a can opener. <laughs> yes, evidently he couldn't get the pumpkin cans in the wandering donut trailer open because his can opener broke even though he has his own house. He thought it would be a good idea at four o'clock in the morning, knowing that I have firearms close by <laughs> to rummage around in my kitchen at four o'clock in the morning. 
when he did not find a can opener in the drawers, he thought it would be a good idea to come and shine a flashlight in my eyes. <laughs> hey, you guys know where the can opener is? Who are you? <laughs> what are you doing? Needless to say, they do come back sometimes to get some things. I do want to say this. Somebody get him a can opener, please. <laughs> but Jesus teaches God's original design for fathers and mothers is to show children how to be fathers and mothers also. That's not what happens in our culture, though. It seems, and this is just my opinion, this is not in the Bible, so if you want to email me, go ahead. It seems like our culture is not bringing up future husbands and wives and future fathers and mothers in these homes, but instead we're bringing up future propelled or perpetuated adolescents. Ooh, oh, come on, we hit something. We hit something. We say to young men, hey, don't take on the responsibility of being a husband. Get you a girl who's good enough for now. Maybe move in with her. Hook up with her for a while. She'll be good enough for now. And she'll love to hear from you. Hey, you'll do for now. And then go like Peter Pan and discover your new potential into your late 20s, maybe your 30s, maybe even if you're lucky, your 40s. You can fly. You can fly, you can fly. Yes, oh, no, 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 don't, don't become a husband. Don't chain yourself up to the patriarchy. Don't do that. You go off and live adventures. Hmm. And what do we say to young women, it seems, that because we're training up future husbands and fathers to be perpetual Peter Pan. Hey, you don't need a man. Okay, I didn't hear anything on that. That's good. I mean, you don't need a man. Just go achieve, achieve, achieve. Get the grades, get the degrees, climb the career. Don't chain yourself down to being some man's wife. And certainly, don't have any kids. They will only hold back your career because you need to be woman and you need to roar and you don't need no Peter Pan. And oh, by the way, I don't want no scrubs. You know what I'm saying? Can't get no love from me. That's all I'm gonna say. That's what we're creating in our culture. That's just my opinion. Now, there's exceptions to that. So where is, where is the place, where is the people who say, actually, no, that's not the greatest gift that we give young men and young women. We don't just give them the culture. We don't give them this lack of responsibility or we pile it on and we say, hey, you guys go do things separate from each other. There has to be a place that says, no, actually the way God designed this whole thing is that mothers and fathers would, would rear up and raise up in children the desire and the 
illustration of what it means to be husbands and wives who would someday actually become fathers and mothers and actually go through the great responsibility but the great reward of passing down to the coming generations the light and the love of a holy God who sent his one and only son. You say, well, if the culture doesn't do that, we can't throw rocks at the culture, right? Because the culture is doing what the culture does. Who is responsible? It is the church. It's the church. What you saw displayed here on this stage just a few moments ago, we are not raising church kids in this church. We are raising a new generation of spirit-led leaders who will go into the world. Yeah, come on, come on. Who will go into the world and not continue perpetual adolescence or achievement idolatry, but instead will say, I want to grow up and be a wise, spirit-filled adult because my mother and father figures, my mother and father showed me what it was like to do just that. Today, I wanna talk specifically about fathers and the importance of father figures. Communities rise and fall on whether fathers and father figures carry God's torch and pass it to the rising generations. I am not here to say today that mothering is not important. We will talk about mothering another Sunday and we have exclusive Sundays where we talk about the role of a mother and how important it is. And I know some of you mothers are raising children by yourself and you're having to step into the role to be a father figure and a mother figure. Some of you do not have your own biological children and you may not ever have your own biological children, but you will step into the role and be a voice of a father figure here in this church and in this community. And it is very important and very critical that you do that. Communities rise and fall on whether fathers and father figures carry God's torch and pass it to the rising generations. I would say this, that this church has on it a great task, a great responsibility, and that is to show young men and young women something different than the culture that actually marriage is a man's best friend. Yes, it'll make you live longer and be far less stupid in this world. Amen, yes. You know what I'm saying, Cole, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. What, what, a, a man who gets married lives anywhere from seven to 10 years longer than a man who doesn't. There you go, just, just, that's your proposal, guys. Hey, will you marry me? I just wanna live an extra 10 years. <laughs> I don't even know who you are. You can get to know me, it's fine. Yes, marriage is a man's best friend. And fatherhood, and being a father and a father figure because you aren't just going to be a father to your own children, you're actually gonna be a father figure to your church community and your greater community. And there are men in this church who are small group leaders. In fact, you're gonna meet some of them today. 
But I wanna make one point and then I'm gonna bring these guys up here. And it's a point that the apostle Paul makes to fathers and future fathers and even father figures and even parents as, as a whole. In Ephesians chapter six, verse four, he's describing this future human being one who is following after Christ and filled with the Holy Spirit and is going to bring more heaven to earth through the kingdom of God. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Don't make them angry. What does that mean? That means fathers, we can make our kids angry. And it doesn't just mean being heavy handed. Sometimes it means not even being present. It doesn't even mean not even being present physically. Sometimes we are present physically but we are not present emotionally and mentally and relationally for our kids. Sometimes we're off chasing after the things of this world and we come home and we ignore our responsibilities as fathers. And so what Paul says is he says, hey, look, don't exasperate your children. Don't be heavy handed with them, but also don't abandon them. Be there, be there and be present and stay when it gets hard. And man, there are times and there are seasons as a father that it was really, really hard to stay. And I know that some of you are here and you're in the midst of that right now. You're like, oh man, this is so hard. This is so, marriage and, and fathering is so hard. What Paul says is do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. The Lord, who is the Lord? Jesus. Jesus was the perfect embodiment of, of masculinity. He had the ability to express compassion and empathy while also expressing truth and accountability. And he had the perfect balance of it. He had the perfect balance of it. And so what Paul is saying uh, to these fathers, he's saying, look, fathers and father figures nourish the rising generation. Know when to lighten up and know when to tighten up. No one to lighten up. No one to just say, hey, it's four o'clock in the morning. I don't know why you're in my, my room with the flashlight, but it's good. The, there's where the, the, the can opener is. And sometimes you have to say, you almost got shot, bro. <laughs> right? Like, no one to lighten up, no one to tighten up. Fathers and father figures nourish the rising generation. Fathers and father figures protect the rising generation. They protect the rising generation. It's, it's our responsibility, fathers and father figures, to, to, to see the dangers out ahead, to, to be vigilant, to see what's going on around us, to see how the culture is encroaching, to see the wolves that are circling the house that wanna get in, to see what's already in the house and get it out, to see where the leaks are happening, to see what voices are allowed to come into our house that should not be in our house, to see what images. And then first and foremost, to lead ourselves in the example of Christ. As Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. He never had his own biological children, the apostle Paul, but he was a father figure to many, just like many of you right now are a father figure, a voice of fathering to many in this church. Fathers and father figures carry and pass on the torch 
by committing themselves to God's values. And then how do we live out these values? Jesus says in Luke chapter 11, you fathers, so he's speaking to me like, what, hey, me, yeah, yeah, you. If your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So Jesus is setting up a hypothetical. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, in other words, you may not even believe and follow Jesus. You may not even believe in God, but there's something in you that says, hey, if my kid asks for an egg, I'm not gonna give them a scorpion. He says, so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, if you imperfect fathers know how to do this, how much more will your heavenly father who is perfect, he's perfect, he knows when to apply compassion and empathy and when to apply accountability and truth. He knows how to, he knows how to do that in your life. He can see into your life. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him, which means that we can ask him. We can ask our heavenly father for the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you help me know when to lighten up and when to tighten up? Would you know, would you help me know when to confess and repent and when to give forgiveness to my children? Would you help me know and be courageous in stepping up, staying put when it's hard? Holy Spirit, would you give me this? Can you imagine in this church if there was a generation of men all across the generational rainbow who said, hey, we're imperfect fathers and father figures, but we have the Holy Spirit at our request who can show and tell us the way we should go. And Jesus ultimately is the hero. We get to embody Jesus in this time. The world, the community, the church, the home needs fathers. We need them. I was at the LU football game yesterday and I saw um, one of the students in the student section holding up a sign and it says, I just hope both teams have fun. <laughs> and it got on TV. And I thought, man, he had a good mom. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we need that. We need that. Mothers, we need you to give that perspective. Yeah, it's like, let's, let's all just have fun. I wanted to see the other guy who wrote one for his father. You know, who says, kill them all and let God sort, sort them out, right? <laughs> Maybe that's a little extreme, but, but it's like, it's almost like God wanted the, the masculine and the feminine to be expressed in male and female who would become husbands and wives and then would become fathers and mothers and then say, I want you to then produce fathers and mothers also. Teach your kids what it's like to be a father and a mother. Tell them 
that the most important responsibility that they'll take on in life is not to just go get their MBA and their 401k and their mortgage and their Land Rover. But instead, the most important thing you will do is be a great husband and a great wife submitted to the Holy Spirit, following the example of Christ. And if you are gifted You will become fathers and mothers to your own children, but you will also be father figures and mother figures to the children of so many. And that we would compel a generation to say, that is one of the greatest gifts you will give to the world. Not your YouTube channel, not your social media opinions, not your achievement idolatry, but literally stepping into the roles of fathering and mothering and being a father figure and a mother figure. So I'm gonna ask my friends to come up here at this time. We're gonna talk about this. So please welcome these gentlemen up here. I'm gonna introduce them by name, tell you a little bit about them. We've got Tim Talley here. Uh, Tim's been a part of our church uh, for over a decade. He's on our elder team. Also one of the small group leaders back in Way Kids. Can we give it up for Way Kids small group leaders? Yes. All right, all right. We got Dave Smith. You've been here, um, man, you've been here since early days, early days. And uh, Greenhouse Road. Road. Oh, you gotta turn that on. You gotta turn that on. Uh, Dave is also one of our small group leaders back in Way Kids, is that correct? Uh, uh, Third grade room leader. Third grade, third grade guys. (laughs) Yes, yes. We got Ryan Kirkpatrick. Uh, Ryan, you guys been here 12 years now, two kids later. Uh, here you are. Uh, you've, been, you've served in a lot of capacities. Um, and uh, he's here, of course, he's gonna talk to us a little, a little bit about his role. You wanna say something, go ahead. Well, we, we knew today'd be tough because I'm the first grade room leader back in Wake Kids. We have three people that had to tell Landon we wouldn't be there today, so. And you know what? We had 11 salvations in Wake Kids this morning. Wow. Isn't that pretty cool? Guys, you talk about father figures right here, father figures. Kenny Rose, you probably see Kenny every Sunday in the parking lot. Yeah, oh yeah, he's got that, he's, he. Almost more than making hands up here this morning. Yes, yes. Uh, Kenny, uh, Kenny's been here, you guys been here since JF days, right? Almost four years now. Okay, okay. So uh, welcome these guys again for being up here. We're gonna talk about fatherhood, yeah. Um, uh, Ryan, I'm going to start with you. Uh, talk a little bit about how you grew up in, in sort of the models of fatherhood, uh, how that was modeled for you, um, you know, in different ways. Um, yeah, I, I, many of you might know my story, many of you might not, but um, I grew up with two father figures in my life. So uh, I was born in Texas to my mom and my dad, obviously, and um, when I describe my relationship with my biological father, he is someone that we still loved and had a great relationship with, but um, just knowing the the lifestyle choices he made, he chose to chase the culture, as you were saying, John. Uh, The things that were important to him in life were alcohol and um, uh, just chasing the lifestyle and money and 
he ended up leaving my family when I was four years old. So uh, if you were to ask him what drove him away, it was actually my mom becoming a, a believer in their marriage. And uh, it's actually his mom who led my mom, so my grandmother, to Christ. And that's ultimately what pushed him away, if you were to ask him. And so he chose to pursue a different life and left uh, me and my two siblings, so three kids, and my mom. And so that was one example of the father figure that I, I had in my life. But then I also was raised by my stepdad, um, who I would, I would definitely call my dad. He's my dad. And because him at 40 years old, being a bachelor at that time, uh, he was also a believer, and he was willing to step into our lives, you know, being a bachelor his whole life, to not only take on his first wife, but three kids, nine, five, and three. Because of his um, choice and his bravery to step into that role, we were raised in a Christian household, and he was able to change uh, generations because of that choice. So I've been able to see uh, two types of father figures in my life. Yeah, can we thank those father figures who step in situations... Yeah, and say, I'll take that on. I know some of you are here right now, and you're raising another man's children, and you're happy to do that, and you, you, you get through all the complications and the challenges of that because that's what God has called you. There are some of you who are also foster parents, and you're uh, caring for uh, someone else's children, and, and, almost, and just like your own, just like your own. Uh, Kenny, you grew up right here in central uh, Virginia. Tell us a little bit about how, what father figures were in your life. So my story is similar to Ryan's. Um, I wasn't close to my father at all. Really, he wasn't part of my life. Um, And my mom met my stepdad, so they got married. It was me, my sister, and then they had my brother. Um, You know, it wasn't always great, but he was a big role model in my life. he had his demons, but, you know, we dealt with it. Um, and then, you know, with him dealing with his demons and um, trying to raise us and then his other two sons, it, it wasn't always the best life. So the things I gained from him was to be compassionate to my sons, but also um, I learned not to do the things that my father did and what he done to his two sons to be there. I want, it makes me want to be there for my boys and raise them the right way, the Christian way. So um, that's pretty much my Yeah, story. no, I mean, and that's really important that we, we look back and go, okay, there's a way that I can still honor, you know, someone who was very imperfect and flawed but also a way that I can learn from and correct some things for another generation. And I think there's a lot of your stories here today where you could, you know, you could get caught in the vortex of, you know, my father abandoned me or my father, you know, was abusive or my father, whatever, uh, and, and get stuck in that and even repeat those sins uh, or, or Jesus, right? And say, you know what, I can forgive not only can I forgive, but I can take the pain and create through the Holy Spirit and the gospel kingdom purpose. And I think that's a powerful thing. Uh, Tim, tell us a little bit about your, your, your situation is a little bit different, right? You grew up. Yeah. So, you know, I, as I sit here and listen to other people's stories and have heard things before, you know, I just feel grateful. Uh, Brett talked about last week, you know, we can have generational sin, 
Um, and we can also have generational blessing in our family. And so, you know, by far my, my dad was not perfect, um, but what he did leave and what I have seen of example of fatherhood is just a legacy of faith and commitment to the Lord, um, not just from him, but from my uncles, from my grandfather. Um, early on, growing up at the age of two, we moved, we moved out of the country. We moved overseas, and they were, went on the mission field, and um, we heard, you know, Reach Global and talk about, you know, those that are being sent, and we were the sent ones. And so, uh, that from an early age just, I mean, changed my whole perspective about what fatherhood means, uh, what this life is about. It is not about chasing, you know, pleasures of, for yourself. It's not about, you know, the things that we talked about. And and, and my dad really instilled that at an early age that it, it's about God. Our life is not our own, it's his. Um, his kids, me and my sister, were not him and my mom's. They were God's. And it didn't matter if the grandparents were upset that they were taking us you know, away from them it, because it was God's purpose, it was God's plan. And so that was an example. And I feel so grateful and fortunate that I've had that and uh, just hope to continue that legacy of faith in, in our family. Yeah. yeah. So, Dave, uh, t- you were one of six siblings. It's a big family. I'm the oldest of six, so I've kind of had some responsibility cast on me yeah. at an early age. But um, raised in a two-parent home. Both my parents were from two-parent homes. Um, so very home, stable home environment. I was very uh, grateful for that. Um, my Raised in the church. My dad was either teaching children's church with my mom or Sunday school class, like, my whole life. So yeah. that was an excellent model of, like, a Christian father, uh, leader in the home. Uh, I had that. And, um, and as you start growing into that as a father, I have a 14, 12, and 10-year-old. Um, I try to emulate. I don't do it always great, but I try to emulate a lot of those awesome uh, things that I witnessed as a father. Yeah. Um, but the other thing I've noticed is the older we get uh, and we become parents, we realize that uh, maybe our parents weren't perfect. Um, maybe, maybe they might have, for all the good things that they've done, that look, they've made mistakes and you don't realize that until you become a parent sometimes. Uh, but one thing I, I have noticed through that is um, I think there's a, there's a generational stronghold that was passed down to like my father. Mm where you don't share things. Um, you don't uh, make yourself necessarily emotionally available maybe sometimes for your kids yeah. um, because that is somehow considered some form of weakness. And I think, uh, I think that's a generational stronghold uh, that needs to be broken. Yeah. Um, and I think that's not good, keeping your head down and suppressing your feelings, uh, and especially man-to-man, Look, guys, you, everyone knows this here. Uh, talking about stuff that's going on inside is not easy. Yeah. Um, but I think, and I want to be a part of a, a group, uh, the Brotherhood, which uh, is a, a group that meets here at the church, meeting today at 4 o'clock. You can register uh, through the uh, through waymakerchurch.church. Yep. Um, but it's an environment, and then it's been, been growing, and it's fantastic. But yep. it creates an environment where um, we can not only share things as men, but also uh, ask hard questions. Yep. And that thing, something that is, you know, my dad, if you, he wasn't going to go up to one of his good friends and ask, like, hey, how many, uh, did you have any bad clicks this week? Did you, um, you know, 
Is that a relationship at work with that secretary? How's that going? Yep. Um, and I think you know, everyone knows what the divorce rate is. Yep. Um, and uh, I, I just think that God can use us. Oftentimes, I think a lie that we believe is it's none of my business. I'm not being nosy. Uh, that's just gossip. Yeah. Well, if you really care for somebody, I should be, if I really care for Tim, I should be able to ask him a hard question. Right. And now the reciprocal of that is sometimes we don't ask a hard question because we don't want that same question asked back to us. Mm, you better preach. So it's a two-way street, mm-hmm. but you need to be available. Yep. But again, that all it has to do with sharing. And that's one thing that I think I want to try to do as a father is just not only make myself more emotionally available to my kids, let them know I make mistakes, apologize mm-hmm. to them, don't be scared to cry in front of them. Um, but then also uh, let them know that, you know, through example, that I'm, yeah. I'm ready to start asking some hard questions to, to friends. Not, again, to be nosy, but because I care about marriages and I care about my friends' relationships. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, I think, I think it's, again, it's that balance of compassion and empathy, but also accountability and truth. And it's like, which one? It's like both. And the Holy Spirit gives us the ability in love to balance that out in our own life, but also in, in other relationships with other fathers and father figures. Um, so Ryan, you're the first grade um, uh, small group leader, Way Kids. Uh, talk about uh, you know, what, it, what it means to you to be another voice in these young people's lives, um, sort of being that father figure role uh, for these young people. Yeah, I appreciate that question. So being in the first grade room has been joy-filled for me. That's a good way to say that. I really do mean that. (laughs) It it does come with some stressors, but overall I enjoy it. And um, I I think it's really impacted me because I'll I'll just, I'm really good with being honest. I'll be just be very direct. I did not want to serve in Way Kids. I did... um, you know, hosting and a lot of different things before I committed to Way Kids because I never wanted to actually go back there because it can be crazy if we're being honest. Yeah, it's good crazy. And then um, I have to give Dave credit and Tim credit and other people credit that. And I was really challenged to actually go back and be in Way Kids because I think if I'm honest with my own kids in my own life, the last thing I want to do is wake up early on a Sunday and go back there and pour into more kids. And then I tried it, and I just loved it. And I think if I could use this opportunity, we are in desperate need of father figures oh, back there. That. Come on. Mm. And if you're a father in here, mothers too, but if you're a father in here, and if you're feeling the way where, well, I just don't want to get up early to do that, I've been there, I've experienced that, but we really need a father's voice in those rooms back there because these kids go through so much, and they share so much back there. And you form these bonds with them, and you can pour the love of Christ into them. And that's the thing that I've enjoyed the most and um, would just challenge the fathers. If you've been on that, you know, straddling that fence, please come join us because we need help. Wow. Wow. Yeah, yeah, please do. Um, you know, and I'm guilty of this too, but we're, we're all busy, right? Fathers, we're, we're all busy. And I'm just going to say this. Busyness is, is sometimes laziness. And what I mean by that is sometimes we mask the most important work that we need to do with things that are completely meaningless. And so I don't know what that is for you, but there's a lot of things, and I'm speaking to myself here, there's a lot of things that I do and take my time, 
my uh, resources and just the gifts that God's given me and putting them to work in things that are completely meaningless. And, and if I'm truly you know, honest with myself, it's because I don't want to do the hard work. I don't want to do the hard work of what Dave talked about and you know, engaging with other men um, and, and asking tough questions. I don't want to do the hard work of, you know, getting down with my kids and getting into their space and figuring out what's, what's going on and, and leading with empathy and then teaching and instructing and then helping them take the next step. I don't, I don't want to do those things. Th- those, are, those are things that God wants me to do, and I want to do my own stuff. And so I would just challenge you, busyness is oftentimes laziness. So, you know, let's, let's evaluate and I got to do this every single day, what are the things that you're filling your time with, that you're spending your money on, that you are investing the talent that God has given you? Because all of it is God's. Kids, family, your talent, your money. It's a stewardship issue. It's a control issue. We think it belongs to us. And I think that's what's changed for me, you know, recently. I talk about my family legacy, but when I was a kid, I thought it was just my dad and my grandparents and you know, my uncles and aunts sacrificing. But what they understood was it's, it's stewardship. Their life was not theirs, and they had to steward it. And until you can have that perspective, it's really hard to break out of that because we just think it's ours. Yeah. And we got to give it away because, as we talk about, there's a generation of kids that need us to give away stuff that's actually important. And, you know, not work on the, the golf game, even though I'd like to beat Ryan in a, in a round of golf. That's good. I mean, that's, I mean, I just want everybody to have fun, though, Tim. That's just what I want. Just everybody have fun. <laughs> just kidding. Kenny, you talked about uh, other father figures in your life. Um, share a little bit about that, um, how important that was for you kind of coming up. Um, so one thing I left out in my first question that you asked was, you know, one of the biggest role models for me was my grandfather on my mother's side. Because, you know, he passed away. I never got to know him. He passed away when my mother was young. And, you know, you talk about leaving a legacy, and legacy is not always material things. You know, it's, it's the stories that your loved ones tell other people about you. And you know, hearing them, my mother, my uncles, my aunts talk about how their father was makes me want to leave that same kind of legacy yeah. for my boys. You know, um, it's not always about material things. And, you know, to be able to hear stories like that and share moments with my two boys um, is like one of the greatest things for me, you know, I started my family later in life, um, and being the father of a eight and five, six-year-old, five-year-old, um, sometimes it's challenging. You know, yesterday my oldest wanted to play football, and I was tired. You know, I've been doing yard work, but you know, I, it clicked just right then that hey, if I don't spend time with him now, you know, he might regret it later, or I'll regret it later. He might resent me for not spending that time with him. So instead of me sitting back and relaxing a little bit, you know, we threw football around. And then um, making memories like that, it, it's what I want to pass on to my sons. That, yeah. You know, 
it's not all about what you want. Sometimes you have to sacrifice. And I found out being a father that it's not just sometimes, it's most of the times that you have to sacrifice to provide um, the things that they need. So. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's so important to, to understand is that uh, you know, certainly when we get married, we turn in the me card. Uh, and then um, when we have children, it actually gets shredded, right? <laughs> and because now uh, our responsibility has, has multiplied. Um, and I do wanna, wanna make this point as, as all four of you are sitting up here is that father figures just as much as fathers have had impact in your life and you guys now are being that voice for others. And so I just wanna keep leaning in to those of you who are here who you are going to be a father figure for some child, maybe a child at this church, maybe a foster child someday, uh, maybe somebody uh, who just enters your path for a season and you can be uh, just a present voice and a present heart uh, that shows the love of Christ uh, to a young girl, young man, or a, a group of children. And that is just as important as, as your own children. Uh, so, Everybody that works in Wake is because to get home Sunday evenings and, you know, sometimes you know, I work out in the park lot and everything, but to get home and hear the stories from my two boys that, hey, this is what we learned back in Wake Kids. And then, you know, walking in the lobby and, you know, somebody approach you and say, hey, you, you know, you got two awesome little boys. I sometimes also get, hey, I had to talk to Landon today. But, you know, <laughs> they are the father figures back there yep. when I can't be there to, yep. you know, keep things in line. So yep. I want to thank everybody that's back in. Yeah, come on, let's, let's thank these guys. Yeah, these men and these women who step up into these roles, yeah. Well, we've got a couple minutes, and Ryan, I want you to kind of bring it home because, you know, I think some, some uh, kind of a, an event has happened in your life in the last couple weeks that's brought home a season in your life. And, and I think it's just, it's just a good way to, to really in cap what we've been talking about. So uh, as John was just saying, I, um, I've been on about a two year journey with the Lord and it has not been the easiest journey. Um, it all started with this verse that I'm about to share with you. So um, I had Google says, cause I had to do a little research. So being, not being a Bible scholar, you'll have to take this uh, with a grain of salt. But if you've ever read Ecclesiastes, it's debated that Solomon wrote this book, but there's no, there's no definitive answer. Um, but when I think of Solomon, I think of one of the wisest men on earth. We've all heard the stories about how wise he was. Yeah. And it all started about two years ago. I was in a community group, and my wife read this verse. It's Ecclesiastes 1, verse 14. I have seen all things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless a chasing after the wind. And the word that hit me in the gut that night was meaningless. And the reason I've been on this journey is I think God has been trying to redefine in my life what success truly is. Because I think if I'm being really honest, uh, you talked about the 401k and the MBA, John. 
Uh, I, would, I would say that for me, the, the chase of success has been what I've gone after, the, the, the big 401k, the lifestyle, whatever it might be. And I actually don't think, you know, those things can be good things, but what I have learned and I just, I want to put out there so everybody can hear it is, we do have a spiritual enemy who is on the prowl mm -hmm. every day, spiritual warfare. He wants to destroy you. If you love Christ, he wants to destroy you, and you need to recognize that, and you need to know that, because it's a battle every single day. And I think that the enemy will take good things. I don't think that the things that God wants to bless us with in this world are bad per se, but the enemy can take those and twist them into a lie. And just, uh, just I'll give you an example. One lie that I've always believed is, well, I'm the provider, so I've got, I need, I got to get my work done because it's on me to provide for my family. And yes, I might carry that role, but the way God has redefined that for me is I might be putting my hands on the plow. I've got to do the work, but I don't bring the rain and I don't bring the harvest. Mm. And, and I think that what happens is we take these good things and when the enemy distorts it as a lie, he takes our focus off of what's most important. And that's our relationship with Christ and ultimately our relationship with our, our spouses and our kids. And something he's been pruning out of me, because pruning is very, it hurts, right? Pruning is not, it, it's good, but it hurts because he's pulling the things out mm -hmm. of you that shouldn't be there, those strongholds that the enemy might have in my life. And that's the painful part, but the fruit will come. The goodness will come. And so in this two-year journey that I've been on, God has been redefining what is success to me. And I'm not perfect at it. If you were to bring my wife up here, she would be able to tell you that I'm not good at it, and I'm not perfect at it, but I'm here. And I've stuck around, and I'm trying to. And one of those things is unconditional love for my spouse, even if she doesn't deserve it. We all have moments where we don't deserve it, but Jesus loves us conditionally. So why can't I do that for her? It's allowing my children to be children. You know, they're five and three, two little boys, they're great kids, and I tr sometimes I treat them like they should be adults. Stop making a mess in the house. It drives me nuts. Don't break your crayons, right? Like, we've all been there, and God has been working on me on how do I have the tighten, uh, say it again, the two knots. When to lighten up, when to tighten up. When to lighten, when to tighten. I'm usually a tighten, so he's teaching me the lighten and what really matters, and I don't I challenge myself and I'll challenge the fathers that are they're sitting here. If your kid is up here someday in this chair, what will they say about you? And I don't want my kids to say, man, I had a great dad, but he really cared about his stuff more than me. And so that's something that God has pruned out. And so I, I read you Ecclesiastes 1, and it's come full circle for me because uh, I talked about my two father figures. My biological father uh, was is in Texas, and... Um, we got a call two weeks ago that was a call I hope no one else receives, but he had chosen to take his own life. And I share that with you because he was a great person. He was loved by his community. He had a good life. But we never knew where he stood with the Lord. I had prayed with him my whole life, for, or prayed for him my whole life for salvation. And he is someone who showed me what it means to chase the culture and chase the world and chase the party. And at his funeral when we were in Texas two weeks ago, he was beloved by so many, and he lived a good life by culture's standards. But Ecclesiastes 1 came full circle for me when I was standing in his garage with my siblings. 
and everything that he chased after in life was in these cardboard boxes on a shelf, and we threw them all in a dumpster. So my question for you is, what are you chasing? What do you think is more important than the gospel? What is more important than your family? What is more important, you know, the extra shift at work or the, you know, if you're tired and you just want your kids to watch a TV show so you can get an hour break, been there, done that. Um, What is more important to you than pouring into your family and pouring into the gospel and pouring into other people in this community? And I, I felt like God was stirring this in me for the last few months, and I had no idea why, because I wasn't supposed to be up here until about six days ago. But this is a word that he wanted me to share with y'all, because when I think about my dad and I think about my life moving forward, my boxes of everything that I place value in is going to be thrown in a dumpster someday, just like we did his stuff. And so I'd encourage you all just to, you know, be open to whatever God has in your life and what he's telling you right now. Thanks for letting me share that. Yeah, thank these guys for being here. Thank them for showing up, being a great example. I'm going to ask you to stand right now. Um, I, I don't want to lose that, that moment that Ryan just, I think, so vividly pictured. There he is in his father's garage, him and his siblings. And what are they doing? All the people that were at the funeral who said he was the life of the party and man, he was fun and he was great. And none of them were there. None of them were there. It was the children. It was the children that he never really got to know. The children that pursued some kind of relationship with him all of his life, but he always kept at arm's length because he was chasing after these things. And I just think, man, wow, what a vivid, what a vivid picture. It's almost a movie. And there they are taking these boxes of bills and books and maybe awards at work or funny pictures or, or whatever, right? And just, and just loading them in and then taking them to, to the dump. And, and there were the children, right? There were the children who didn't even know him. I don't know what your story is, but I, I do wanna say this. None of us men, none of us are getting out of this without regret, okay? So let's just say that. That's why we need the gospel. That's why we need a God who loves us so much that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ. To pay the price, to eliminate sin, evil, and death. Here's the thing though, because we have the gospel, that can get redeemed. It can get restored, but the rest of our journey can operate out of the purpose of that. And so I just wanna commission us fathers and father figures, us fathers and future fathers that are here today. We're gonna sing this song and I just think it's, uh, it's, it's fitting for this moment. This is, a, this is a great moment if you're here and you just want prayer, uh, just to come down here and let this church get around you in prayer. Or maybe you just say, you know, I, I don't think I'm supposed to go down front there, but man, I, I know that guy over there and I wanna ask him to pray for me. Or man, I want my children to get around right now and just circle up and pray. 
And let's pray for, for the fathers and the future fathers and the father figures of this coming generation that they would know that this is a house that's gonna encourage them and lift them up. It's gonna empathize and have compassion in our failures and our struggles, but also is gonna be a house that speaks truth and accountability because we as men need that. And all of that's going to be wrapped in the love of the gospel. We're gonna always keep in front of us what really matters most. At the end of the day, there's nothing wrong with an MBA and a 401k, but it is not what our life is measured by. It's the relationships, it's the people we invested in that really matter the most. And so I want this time in our church's season, I want us to really get a hold of that that one of the greatest things that we're gonna give the coming generation is the gospel of Jesus Christ. But one of the greatest gifts we will also give in addition to that is to share with them a message that is so counter to the culture. And that is God has a great destiny for you in being a spirit-led husband and wife and being a spirit-led father and mother, being a spirit-led father figure and mother figure in your home, in your church, and in your community. We're gonna sing this, respond how God is leading you to respond. If you need prayer, just come on down here and we're gonna pray over you. As always, our response stations are open. Thank you so much for joining us. And a special thank you to those who give to Waymaker Church. It is because of you that our ministry is possible. Visit waymaker.church to give now. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe. You can also share it with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. Now go make a way.